Our first scripture this morning was from Luke. It was the parable of the rich fool. The rich man was sharing his problem with Jesus. Jesus knew his heart. Jesus told him that life is more than accumulating wealth. He pointed to a higher issue, our relationship to God. Why was this man called a fool? Because he was foolish about being preoccupied with storing up earthly wealth instead of having a rich relationship with God. Think how many people could have been fed with the surplus of those crops. I really hope that after he died, many people were fed with all that he had stored in those barns. What happens when you keep uh, gaining things and saving them? Well, let me tell you about a man named Eric. Eric will admit that he is a collector who hates to throw away anything, even if the clothes no longer fit or he has no use for something. He has 40 years of magazines throughout his house. There is a stack of them in closets and even in the high kitchen cabinets uh, that reach to the ceiling. And one day, Eric noticed that several of the cabinets were pulling away from the ceiling. So he knew that if the cabinet came loose, it would make a mess with glassware and china and food and magazines all over. So quickly, he gathered up all his magazines. He called a repair service. It took two repairmen and $500 to reattach the cabinets to the ceiling. Well, the next day, a friend stopped by, and Eric was sitting on the floor looking at his magazines. And his friend challenged him. He said, maybe this is a lesson for you to throw them away. No, Eric said, they're valuable. So his friend kept challenging him. Well, how are they valuable to you? Eric said he might need to refer to an article and he wanted to have the magazines close. What convinced Eric that he needed to make some changes was when his friend said, take your faith seriously. Jesus was not cumbered with belongings. That was when Eric began to shed things. He donated his clothes that he would never wear again, books that he would never read again to a local charity. Old programs and magazines were put out to recycle. He was just beginning the process of letting things go. Unfortunately, the rich fool in our scripture could not let go, and he lost it all. Those who spend their lives focusing on making money, saving money, or their possessions never understand that the most important things in life aren't things. How many times have you heard from those who've lost everything, whether it was in a fire or a tornado or an earthquake or whatever disaster there was, that they would say, we have each other. That's all that matters. We will begin again. 
countless people who have had serious illnesses or experienced a tragedy in their life often look at things with new eyes. Things that were so important before don't seem quite so important anymore. I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy the pleasure that you get from the things that you own, but I'm reminding you that they are just things. And no matter how special or important they are to you, when you come to the end of your earthly life, you won't be taking any of them with you. The rich fool stored up riches because he thought he was focused on his future. It was his earthly future he was looking forward to. However, he had stored nothing for his eternal future. Instead of building bigger barns or renting storage units to store our earthly possessions, we should be focusing on our eternal future by giving some of our possessions or our resources to help build the kingdom. There are so many people who would be blessed by your sharing some of the things that you have or that are taking up space in your home that you are not using. We are giving you the opportunity to help others. You've been sent an estimate of giving card. And if you did not receive one in the mail, there are some on the back table that you can take on your way out. Now, all of these, um, What's doing is asking you to just give us an estimate of what you are willing to or hoping to give to the church. We're specifically asking you to return this by next Sunday, either bringing it back in person, mailing it. If you're watching uh, on live streaming, uh, you can just send it in or drop it off. But we would like to take all of these estimates next Sunday and during the week, calculate everything and total them up. And then the following Sunday, which is October 24th, we are going to have a celebration breakfast at 9.30. I hope that you will all be there. And then one service only at 10.30. You'll be hearing a little bit more about that. But nothing belongs to us. Everything we have belongs to God. We're stewards, not owners of our possessions, our talents, and our abilities, we need to use them to glorify God. We won't be taking anything with us into eternity except for our souls. All the money in the world can't keep us alive, and we can't buy back what we've missed when we focused on ourselves instead of on God and on others. When we give our problems to God in prayer, he does the same with us that he did with the rich fool. He shows us how we need to change and grow in our attitude toward the problem. The answer is often not the one that we are looking for, but it's more effective in helping us trace God's hand in our lives. Jesus said that the good life has nothing to do with being wealthy. James A. Lawless reminds that Christian stewardship is more than the management of things. It's the refusal to let things manage us. This is not the message that we hear pounding our ears day in and day out, 
Advertisers spend millions of dollars to entice us to think that if we buy more of their products, we'll be happier, we'll be more fulfilled, and our lives will be more comfortable. We need to concentrate instead on what truly makes a good life, living in a relationship with God and doing his work. Adam Hamilton shared how he and his wife are careful with their money. They give and they save. However, they have noticed that the more money they make, the more money they waste. It seems that the more financially secure we become, the more we waste what we have. You know, $20 here, $40 there, doesn't seem like such a big deal, right? Sound familiar? Do you only buy what you really need? You know, some people stock up on things in case they might need them. Rich fool built more Rich fool built more barns so that he could sit back and relax and not work anymore. He never got to enjoy all that effort, though, because he died. We never know when God is going to call us home. And I do think it's important for us to save. We need to have money because we don't know how long we're going to live, and we do have needs to take care of. However, the point is that we should focus on our eternal home far more than on our earthly possessions and our, our yes, our earthly possessions and our long-term earthly needs. We live in a time of excessive materialism. How many things do we have that we really don't need? When people move or downsize, they wonder, how on earth have they accumulated so much stuff? So many today are like the prodigal son who was interested in living now and not for tomorrow. Hebrews 13, 14 says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. We should not be attached to this world because all we have and all we are is temporary. How we relate to money can affect our spiritual destiny. For the rich man in the scripture, money stood between him and God. Jesus did not want him to be poor. He wanted him to experience joy, the kind of joy that giving it all to God can bring. Years ago, John Bunyan, author of The Pilgrim's Progress, wrote, a man there was, and they called him mad. The more he had, the more he gave, the more he had. And of course, this was for the Christian to the world, such a principle was nonsense. Only to the Christian who understands that true worth is also spiritual does this make any sense at all. Hence, in giving to God, Christian looks for spiritual returns. Here's an example. Many years ago, a certain woman was preparing a box to take um, to some missionaries in India. And a little child gave her a penny to put into the box. 
instead of putting the penny in the box, the woman bought a tract and placed it in the box instead. And eventually, the box went to a Burmese chief. And he got that tract, and it was used to convert him to Christianity. He told some of his friends what he had learned and about the saving knowledge of Christ. Eventually, his uh, friends believed him, also accepted Christ. A church was established, and 1,500 natives were converted to Christianity. The lesson is plain. No gift is too small for God to use. If 1,500 people can come to know Christ as a result of the seed of a penny, just think what God can do with what you give and what you do. Your gifts, your prayers, your service, and your witness can produce a great harvest. Jesus suggested that people should give to show they trust in God more than they trust their money. Giving is a spiritual discipline. A common complaint about church is that they're always asking for money. It's true that a church cannot function unless people give to the church financially. However, those who complain don't understand the blessing there is in giving. An often quoted phrase is that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I'd like to help you realize why that is true. You heard the second uh, scripture this morning reading from Corinthians chapter 9. And this chapter, this particular section, was giving us several reasons why it's important to give. When we give, we are meeting the needs of others. This can happen in a multitude of ways. I'm sure you've enjoyed blessing others with your gifts. When you give to the church, you're enabling us to continue many ministries and to keep the church functioning so we can keep offering Christ to hundreds or maybe even more people. We reach beyond these walls in many ways. And I love you in all that you do to touch countless people in countless ways. When we give, we support the spread of the gospel. Your giving makes Bible studies and choirs and worship services, the food bank, and all our other ministries possible. Can you think of anything more important than giving to spread the love of Christ to hurting and unsaved people? If someone took a look at the list of your spending, would it show that things that make you happy, what you are collecting in this life, or that you're sharing the love of Christ and living for eternity? When we give, Scripture tells us we reap what we sow. If we give a little, we will gain a little. When we give, our blessings will be multiplied to enable us to share Generosity does not depend on the size of our bank accounts. It depends on our readiness to open our hearts to the needs to others and to share what we have with them. Christ gave his very life for each of us. 
In gratefulness for that ultimate and indescribable gift, we should give generously with grace whether we are rich or poor. We are blessed to be a blessing. When we give, our generosity will produce thanksgiving to God. When we give, God will bless us. Remember that our lives are not measured by how much we own. When we give, our giving in gratitude will glorify God. Jesus taught that our giving is to be a top priority. It doesn't matter if you're in debt, if you have just enough, or if you have savings. We are to give, even during trials and sufferings. We are to give to God first, above anything and everything else. Even during trials and setbacks, we are to give to God from our first fruits, as it says other places in the Bible. He doesn't want our leftovers. This demonstrates that God, not our possessions, has first place in our lives and that our resources belong to him. Giving to God first helps us to conquer greed, helps us to properly manage God's resources, and opens us up to receive God's special blessings. Our blessings, you know what, are not always something that we can see. Maybe you've been blessed with good health, so you don't have to pay money to the doctor or for medical tests. Maybe you have an appliance that has lasted for years and years and years, and you don't have to replace it. Perhaps it's the abilities that we have, encouragement we get, or opportunities that come our way, even the opportunities to help others. I promise you that if you give to God first, use your money before using it anywhere else, you will have enough. Our focus these three weeks are focused on the future. We are to focus on heavenly things that are eternal and not on earthly ones that will not last. And once you start tithing, you will never stop because you will see the blessings that you get from your faithfulness to God. Dominic and Robin said, Lord, help us remember that giving does not empty or drain our resources, but provides a space for you to refill. I want you to put your hand out like this. Closed. Make a fist. When you hold on tightly to everything you have, that's all you have. But when you open it up and open yourself to God, you are giving him a space to refill. However, you give because you love God and you want to honor him. Our giving focuses on our hearts and what is most important to us. Faith, service, and obedience are the ways to become rich toward God. Life is not measured by how much we own. Everything we possess, our things, our possessions, will eventually be meaningless. So let's put everything into perspective. Rather than being like the rich fool and wanting to keep everything for ourselves, let's share with others, 
give to those in need, and live with eternity in sight. Keep your focus on the future, your future that will last forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you turn?